Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll start in verse number 6 just to give our foundational text here. 1 Corinthians 2, 6, however we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who who love him. And you know, that was true all during the ages, all during the Old Testament. But you know, that's not true today. Because the next verse says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. <laughs> so, so I is enabled to see today. Eyes are seeing. Ears are hearing. It is entering into our heart the things that God has prepared for us. Why? Because God's revealing them through his spirit. Amen. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Woo, glory. (laughs) Man, I tell you what, we could just, we could just, just read this and be satisfied. Just there's so much, so much blessing just in just in reading the text. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. Amen. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, without going into all of the scriptures we looked at in, in the past, we've been talking about God's plan for the church and the importance, the importance of God's plan for the church can be estimated by considering two things that we've considering, considered. The importance of God's plan for the church can be estimated by considering one, how long it's been in planning. We know something that uh, just in our earthly, natural realm, when we take five minutes to plan something, it's usually not really great. <laughs> but when we take a year planning something, it's, it's pretty important. If we go further than that, it's almost unheard of. The Bible, without going to all the scriptures, if you'd have to be here in the previous services. If you weren't, you just have to go online. We don't, we don't have time to backtrack today. But we read multiple scriptures that show us that God's plan that, that we're talking about was put in place before 
the beginning of time. Before the foundations of the earth, before the foundations of the earth were laid down, God had this plan. The plan for the church. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing to consider. That helps us estimate the importance of the plan. Second thing we've been looking at is what measures he took to protect it. God went to great measure. Says it was hidden from ages, the different ages of creation, from different generations. It was hidden from some of the finest people who've ever lived. All of the patriarchs of the Old Testament. We're going to glance at some of that this morning. Men of renown. Men that honored God. Men who knew God. Men who pleased God by faith. They didn't have it. It was hidden from them. What God's doing in the church right now was hidden from them. That speaks volumes to me. Wow. That tells me that, that, that there's probably something about this I haven't quite grasped yet. It's bigger than what I think it is. But this causes me to, to, to these two things, how long it's been in planning and, and the measures that God, uh, the measures that God took to, to keep it secret and to protect it, that, that suggests to me that it's something that I need to learn more about, that it's bigger than the news. <laughs> it's more important than the weather. It's more important than my natural planning. It's more important than your future as an ordinary person, a human being on this planet. The only way, however, the only way to fully understand the importance of the church and of his plan for the church is to consider the scope of the plan. And we've looked into this a little bit. We're going to look into it a little bit more today. Turn with me to Colossians, the first chapter. We've alluded to it, made reference to it, but we want to examine it a little better today. Colossians chapter 1. Oh boy, where do you start when you start reading Colossians? Hallelujah. Well, let's just start in verse number 12. That's an odd place to start, but it'll work. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. There's a lot of good things in this verse. It tells us that we have an inheritance. (laughs) You know what inheritance is, right? An inheritance is something that is given to you, passed on to you, to take, enjoy, use, and it's totally the result of somebody else's efforts. (laughs) You didn't do anything for it except just call somebody to love you, I guess. (laughs) We have an inheritance, and it's not of our doing. It's not, it's not based on anything we did. 
God packaged an inheritance for us. That's all of his doing. It's ours. It's not, it's not just waiting on us in heaven. There's part of it that's waiting in heaven, but part of it's available now. And it's the second thing this verse, I'm way off target or off, off track this morning, but this is okay. Second thing this verse tells us is, is that we're qualified to partake. Now the devil will fight you on that. He'll fight you. He'll challenge you until you're not qualified. Now, Sister Holiness sitting over there, she's qualified. But you're not qualified. You can't really partake of this. If you were this or you were that or you were better, you know, you could, you could partake. But you're not Sister Holiness. <laughs> That's not true. Why? Because the Father qualified us. We didn't qualify ourselves. Well, praise the Lord. We better go on. He has delivered us from the authority of darkness. I can't even stop there. That'll, that'll trip me up for 30 minutes right there. He delivered us from the authority of darkness. But here is the thing here. This, this starts getting into what I want to talk about. And conveyed us into the kingdom of, of the new king. I'm reading from the new King James. It says the son of his love. But I like the old King James of this last part here. Of his dear son. He conveyed us or translated us or transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Does God love anybody better than he loves his dear son? No. And we've been translated into his son's kingdom. Well, praise the Lord. In whom we have redemption through his blood, precious blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. Now, now verse 15 is where I wanted to start. He, that is his son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn. What in the world is that talking about, the firstborn? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was the only begotten of the Father. No one else was born of God except Jesus. But he's no longer the only begotten son of God. He's the first begotten. The firstborn. Oh, glory to God. We'll skip down, we'll come back, we'll skip down to verse 18. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence. He's the firstborn from the dead. Jesus not only died physically, Jesus tasted spiritual death for all of us. Go over to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Now you understand spiritual death isn't the cessation of of existence. Like physical death, when when you die physically, boom, that's it. There's 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 no operation. The physical man just stops living. Spiritual death isn't like that. Spiritual death is simply separation from God. And in in Hebrews chapter 2, verse let's go to verse number. 
But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Now, most people just think natural, physical death. He did die physically and was raised from the dead physically. But that's not, that's not the whole picture. Because he suffered death and then was crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. That's talking about substitution. He didn't just taste death in fellowship with us. He tasted death as our substitute in death. Well, our death was more than physical death. Matter of fact, we haven't experienced that yet. The death that is that has plagued humanity from from Adam's day is spiritual death. God told Adam and Eve, the day you eat of this fruit, do not touch it. For the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, Adam lived to be 900 plus years old. Did did Jesus miss it? Well, I miscalculated there a little bit. No. (laughs) The day he ate of it, literally the moment he ate of it, he died spiritually. He was separated from God. He was conscious of his sinful nature suddenly because because spiritual death had passed into his inner man, into his spirit being, and it cut him off from God. That is a far greater tragedy than physical death. That's a far greater uh, uh, dilemma and crisis. Jesus tasted death for every one of us. And I've, I've said it before like this. Anything that, the, that was the result of sin. Any of the consequences of sin. That Jesus didn't taste. That he didn't take upon himself. It's still waiting for you. Anything of, that's related to the fall of man. To our sin. And to our falling away from God. Anything that's involved in that, that Jesus didn't stand in our place for and, and become our substitute for is still waiting for us because somebody has to pay. And thank God Jesus came and he paid it all. Yes. Glory to God. So he was the firstborn from the dead. So that, that's what I mean when I say he's no longer the only begotten of the Father. He, he was, now he's the first begotten, the firstborn. Well, praise the Lord, that th- throws some people's theology off, but I suggest they just look at the New Testament. Amen. Read a little bit more than just the, you know, funny book version. Amen. A little casual reading, you know, in the little Sunday school literature. Well, praise the Lord, I better quit meddling. <laughs> Let's go back to verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Now notice, over, the firstborn is his title. And the next few words has to do with with the scope of it. He's the firstborn and he's over all creation as the firstborn. For by him... Now, when he says all creation, what could he be talking about? What could he mean? Could it mean possibly all creation? Like it says? Yeah. 
For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Wow. We've been trying to, to uh, comprehend the last couple Sunday mornings the fact that God created everything from the beginning through Christ who Jesus is his earthly name Christ is his title in relation to Israel. That means the anointed one, the Messiah. We've been trying to comprehend the fact that the second person, you know, there are three persons in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The second person of the, of the Trinity, God the Son, always existed. But he wasn't Christ. He didn't become Christ until he became Israel's Messiah. But wait a minute. All things from the beginning were created through Christ. Well, how does that? I don't know. I don't know. There is a, there is a a uh, a level a dimension of of understanding that escapes us because we're in a natural world. We're tied to time and and, and dates and you know order of of natural things. But all we can do is just look at the word and go. Wow. <laughs> but by him, all things were created that are in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. One other place it said, and, and there was nothing created that he didn't create that was, any, he created all things that were created that were created, something like that. You know, do you know the verse I'm talking about? <laughs> uh Visible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities, powers, all things are created through him and for him. He is before all things. This, this man who walked along the, the, the shores of, of the Sea of Galilee, this miracle worker, this man of, of such words that, that no one had ever heard such words fall from the, from the lips of such a man before in the, all the world. He, uh, he was before all things. And in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, and I should say, that word and is important, and he is the head of the body, the church. He who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, now, here's, here's an important phrase, that in all things, he may have the preeminence. I, uh, let me read you this, that passage we just read from Weymouth's translation, which is somewhat of a paraphrase, but it's okay. Christ is the visible representation of the invisible God, the firstborn and Lord of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things in heaven and on earth, 
things seen and things unseen, thrones, dominions, princedoms, powers, all were created and exist through and for him. And he is before all things, and in and through him the universe is a harmonious whole. Moreover, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in, that in order that he himself may in all things occupy the foremost place. When God created through Christ the universe, when he created the world that we know, the earth, when he set everything in order, everything was in divine order. But corruption came into the earth through Lucifer's, Satan's temptation in the Garden of Eden. Man was corrupted, but the natural order of the universe was corrupted. A curse was placed on the earth. And it's never been the same since. The, the world that we live in is not the way it was intended to be. It was not a dog-eat-dog world <laughs> when God created it. It might help us to go back to Romans, the 8th chapter. Hold your place here. Romans chapter 8. I think it might be helpful. Romans 8. Praise the Lord. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Church, (laughs) you think we have something now. There is, we enjoy the glory of God when when we meet together, we sense his presence and we enjoy it and sometimes you can see it, you know, I have a time or two, but there is, there is glory awaiting us that we have no idea. Oh, hallelujah. Let me go on. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. We can see those birth pangs on the face of the planet. Not only that, but we, are, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Well, let's, let's stop here. The manifestation of the sons of God, the liberty, the glorious liberty of the church of God. Let me just caution you. There's a false doctrine out there that comes around every few decades. It's called manifested sonship. And the proponents of this got a little bit of light on what the future is. And they, and they teach that, that all of nature and the whole order of things is going to be subdued by the church. 
Christ acting through the church in this time. And that's not true. The Bible clearly tells us that it is, it is the man who's coming back on that white horse. Who has a name no one knows. And out of his mouth will, will, will proceed uh, the destruction of the enemies of God. He's coming back. He's going to do it. It's a person. His name is Jesus. He is going to, he is going to establish his, his kingdom. We're not going to establish it. We're in the kingdom and we can order our lives in, in uh, uh, harmony with the principles of that kingdom because we've been given authority. We're not going to change this world. Jesus, that's up to the, to the master. So let's just keep that straight. But there is coming a time when creation is going to be delivered and, and, the, and the sons of God, the children of God, are going to be given glorious liberty over this natural world. That's what's waiting for us. You know, I, I, it's, it's regrettable that people only go so far as the surface. They see themselves as just a person who got saved. You know, I was a sinner. I was on the, on the way to, to hell, which I deserved and God in his great mercy sent Jesus 2,000 years ago. I heard the message today. I believed it and I was born again. My sins were washed away and I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful. It's not belittling that. But to only see that robs people of so much of, of the expectation we're supposed to have. And it's in the New Testament it's not like it. You got to go. You have to go somewhere else to find it. It's right here in front of us. God intends. These are the things that the Spirit is searching. The deep things of God, bringing these things up, revealing to to the children of God, the ones who love God, the things that belong to them. We're supposed to know these things. It makes it makes the the. Uh, It makes my realization, it helps my realization of the splendor, of the glory of what God's done for me. It helps me. It encourages me. It inspires me. The more I learn about what God's done for me. It doesn't hurt me. It helps me. It doesn't hinder my walk with God. It helps my walk with God. Isn't that right? Well, praise the Lord. Well, I, I was re- we read this passage to show you that even creation itself fell under the curse. All of creation fell under the curse. And God's plan is to put everything back the way it worked, the way it was, the way it was intended to be under Christ. That when Jesus came to this earth, Approximately 2,000 years ago, when he was born, he became Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And God intended to set everything in the universe back in its, into its proper uh, uh, place through that man. And when you were born again, 
You, when we were born again, we were joined to that man. We become part of him. The body, Christ is the head. We're the body. You, 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 I'm looking out here and I, you know, I'm seeing all these heads attached to bodies. And, and the head and the body goes together. It's one person. I'm looking at Q. He's not, there's not two things there. I'm looking at Q, Quentin there. He's, a, he's an individual. He's a whole person. You can't separate his head and body. He'd be dead. It would be, it'd be the end. We are the body of Christ. We are joined to him. And everything that he accomplishes, we share in the whole subjugation of creation is going to come back under his lordship. Like I said a couple weeks ago, it's like the kid, you know, standing next to the daddy. He just won the world championship. Well, little punk, you didn't do anything. Yeah, but that's my daddy. And I've got my arm next to him. And I, then the flat cameras are flashing. The lights are flashing. I'm feeling like I really did something. No, he did something. But, we sh- but the little boy shares in the glory of it. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Let's go back to Colossians. Go back to Colossians 1. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him that is in Christ all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself, that is God the Father, by him Christ. By Christ, to reconcile all things to the Father, by Christ. Christ is the agent. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled. Oh, glory to God. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. I I tell you, the the magnitude of of what God planned in Christ to send this this Savior to the world. To not just be, as, as important as this is, to not just be... The Savior from our sins. But to reconcile us back to God. Because we were lost. God lost us. In the fall. He lost humanity. He lost. In Adam he lost humanity. And the, and, and the one who subjected the earth. The, the, the world in, in, in corruption. He did it. Awaiting the time when Christ would come and set everything straight again. We were lost to God, but Christ came and brought us back to our Father. He had to recreate us to do, recreate us to do it. The old man is dead and gone. God had to put a new person on the inside of you that never existed before. God reconciled the world to the Father. Through Christ. And 
when Jesus comes back in the ages to come, he is going to reconcile everything in the universe. He's going to be the head. He's going to have the preeminence. Everything is going to focus on him until the kingdom is completely accomplished. Then it says over in 1 Corinthians, then he's going to submit it back to the Father. Glory to God, that God may be all in all. I tell you, the plan is big. (laughs) The plan is epic. The plan is, is out of this world. Hallelujah. It's a pretty big scope. Pretty big scope. Amen. Well, glory to God. We, we, better, we better go on. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, we're going to be looking at chapter 12. So go to chapter 12, verse 1. But we're going to back up and first look at 11. I want you to look at verse 39 and 40. This is Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. Now, I know we're picking up in the, the tail end of something, but we'll go back and catch up. And all these, talking about all the people that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Now, the promise, the promise was the promise of reconciliation with God. That was the promise. That was the promise all of the patriarchs were looking for. That's why if you go back in uh, verse Hebrews eleven thirteen, these all, these all died in faith not having received the promises. And the, the promise contained many promises. But having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had been called, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All the men of faith in the Old Testament had something on the inside that said, there is a life to come. And sinful man See, they, they never were really reconciled to the Father because they weren't born again. They still all died in, in, in their sins in the sense that they weren't saved in the New Testament sense. They were saved in the Old Testament sense because they lived by faith. But, but they, they didn't receive a new nature. They weren't born again. But they saw something. Reconciliation with God. Righteousness is another, is another way of saying the same thing. Being made right with God. That was the thing they all believed for. And they had it, the Bible says it was imputed to them. We don't have it imputed to us. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, glory to God. Sonship. Three things you can summarize that, that the promise involved. It involved reconciliation with God our right standing with God and our sonship that we would no longer just be servants of God but sons, very, not just sons in title, not just sons as being adopted sons, which there is an aspect of of us being adopted, but sons by birth, born 
God is our actual father. Oh, hallelujah. In salvation. But now notice, let's go back to verse 39. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. God hid, these were, these were men of, of outstanding character. We're talking about Abel, whose blood still speaks, the Bible says. It talks about Enoch, who walked with God and was so close to God, God just took him. It's talking about Noah, who stood in the face of defiance every day, people calling him an insane man. And he built that ark by faith. Talking about people like Abraham and Sarah. But we'd only have time to talk about their faith exploits. Talks about Moses. Talks about the harlot Rahab. <laughs> she was a woman of great faith. Talks about Gideon, and, and he just goes on as Samson, just, you know, David and different prophets and so forth. These, these were people who, who lived by faith and God honored them. They, they, they obtained a good report, the Bible says. And they did it because they were looking for something unseen. They were looking for something that was not of this world, not of this order. They knew their, that, that God had something for them, but it was hidden from them. Hidden from them and they still exercised faith for it. But they died. Did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us. Wow. God having provided. God having provided. Not going to ride, having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. I'm telling you, church. This, this plan of God for the church beats anything you've ever heard of. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's beyond estimation. If that's the case... Shouldn't we know our place in it? Given, given the, the, the length of time in planning, <laughs> given the efforts and the, and the extent that God went to, to keep it a secret, to protect it, and especially given the scope of what he's going to do that we're, that we're a part of, we need to, we need to know more about our place. It's more important than whether you get a pay raise or not. Or you get that new pickup truck you like. That's not against any of those things, but this is bigger than that. It's bigger than this natural world. Our role in this life, our plan in this life, I'm talking about each of us as individuals. We all have a part to play in the unfolding of this. Because there's a, there's a, 
a will of God. God has a will for each one of our lives. And it's connected with his plan. His big plan. His big plan. It's one thing for God to have a plan for you to, you know, own a hardware store. It's another thing to know that his plan for you is part of a a big plan. But what a plan. What a big plan. Therefore, we ought to know more about it. So we go over down into chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, knowing that God has provided something better for us, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is the race that you picked out. Let us run with endurance the race we chose. Let us run with endurance the, 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 the race our parents told us we were running. Let us run with endurance the race our church told us. No. The, the, who, set, who set this race before us? The race that is set before us. Who set it? God did. God set a race, a, a, a course, a track. A plan before each one of us, let us run it. He said, let us run it. But we're running it with the, with the knowledge that all of those people I mentioned, these heroes of faith, they're, they're watching us. We're, that's that, we're, we're encompassed, it said, with a great cloud of witnesses. What is that? The imagery here is taken from the Grecian uh, uh, sports contest of those days, the, the, the forerunner of our modern day Olympics, where the people would watch from the grandstands as people competed in these, in these uh, athletic events and these sports and so forth. And the, and the stands were cheering them on, cheering them on. Those people that went before that didn't understand, they understand now. And they're still locked out of it. They're still not part of the church. But they know that their future, their fulfilling their part of it in eternity future is dependent upon us. Doing what we're supposed to do. So they've got some vested interest. And they're looking over the, over the banisters of heaven saying, come on, come on. Come on and lay hold of that. Come on and go a step further. Come on and believe God again. Come on and, and, and take what belongs to you. Come on and pray a little more. Come on, can't you? We prayed and we lost our lives. Had our heads cut off and some of us were sawn in two, it said. Come on, you can spend another few minutes in prayer. Come on. (laughs) They're watching us from the grandstands of heaven. Not Not only those, every person who's lived for God and lived by faith. That means my daddy's up there. My earthly daddy was a man of faith. He's part of those of that crowd in heaven. He's watching me run my race. Now, somebody told us 
that, that when they, they had a vision of going to heaven, they got revelation. They met a, a, a loved one there. And this loved one told, told this person, said, Now, in heaven, we're not interested in natural things that go on in life. We're not interested in whether you got a new car or whether you got married or whether, you know, you have a nice job or you're rich or you're poor. We're not interested in that. This person said, we're aware of every advance you make spiritually. When you step a step higher, that's what we're aware of. That's what they're pulling for. They don't really care whether you got a new suit. <laughs> but, but they're watching us in our, in our spiritual walk. They're watching us in our faith walk. They're watching us and they're, they're pulling for us. My, my dad went to heaven when I was 11 years old and, and he's been pulling for me. He's had to be a man of faith. <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of years. He said, come on, son, come on. Don't do that, come on. Live right, do right. They're pulling for us, church. There's a, there's a race that we have to run. God has set it before us. Oh, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, I better stop there. And we'll talk, we'll talk about this race a little bit more next time. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.